unfortunately, the dream that we had for our future by coming of them, the Taliban, that was destroyed. And we thought that we lost everything. You know, people are dis- were very disparate. You know, they have lost their job. They have lost the, some of them. They have lost their lives. Some of them they lo- lost their families and uh, their homes and their dreams. What they wanted to be in the future. Welcome back to another episode of On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse. This is a podcast that takes you to the front lines and behind the scenes of our work around the world. The voice you just heard was an Afghan refugee sharing how difficult it is, and we're going to talk about that more in this episode today. On June 20th, the international community will recognize World Refugee Day. And whether you're listening this in advance or after the date has passed, it it doesn't change the importance and significance of acknowledging the needs of refugees around the world. The term refugee was formally defined after World War II. And while this term carries with it certain protections under international law, it's even more weighty for us as Christians to ask ourselves, what does Christ want us to do to serve these refugees? Samaritan's Purse is currently working with refugees and displaced people in 10 countries through 50 different programs. I sat down with Eric Huxley to learn more about what displacement can look like and how Samaritan's Purse is helping. Eric serves as the country director for Samaritan's Purse in Colombia, where thousands of migrants are crossing the border from Venezuela. I wanted to talk with Eric because he has academic knowledge, but more importantly, he has firsthand field experience with displaced people, both migrants and refugees, as he'll explain in this episode. And also throughout the episode, you'll hear voices from other staff members and even refugees themselves. Here's my conversation with Eric. I know even within that broad term, refugees, there's multiple other titles, right? Mm -hmm. Can you maybe even break that down? Because even since then, there's more complexity. It's a a great question. And I think think we tend to use the term migrant or refugee interchangeably, and and that's okay. Um, But I I think, uh, especially on, on World Refugee Day, we should really kind of define what are we talking about when we talk about a refugee. And, um, you know, there's a number of crises around the world. There's a number of refugees that are leaving for different reasons. Um, in some cases, maybe they're fleeing a natural disaster and they it's not safe for them to go home. In most cases, sadly, around the world, and I think this speaks to um, just sin and humanity, mm-hmm. um, most of the reasons people are leaving are, are, are man-made. They're, they're caused by humans, uh, um, you know, from war to uh, corruption to government mismanagement. Uh, and so people are fleeing uh, desperate poverty, they're p- fleeing political or religious persecution, uh, and they're fleeing war. Uh, and so that's kind of the, the majority of what we're seeing around the world today. A migrant, uh, in contrast to maybe a refugee, is somebody that's leaving in search of better opportunity, but could choose to go back and experience protection uh, under, you know, this, the laws of their land uh, versus a refugee is somebody that's leaving and, and, and going back would, would put them at, at, mm. at high risk because they're not protected uh, by their government. It is very difficult for everyone who leaves uh, his or her country. It is kind of unwanted immigration. Like, who does not does not love his or her country? Everyone does. 
but this is forced uh, immigration for them. And so it's really nuanced, and it requires it requires you know really critical thought and 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 really diving into the details and taking the time to learn and understand why are people leaving? Does that make them a refugee or a migrant? And then in contrast to all that, you have what are called internally displaced people. And so for a good example is Ukraine right now. Uh, in Ukraine, over 5 million people have left Ukraine into the rest of Europe, and those are considered refugees. But also in Ukraine, you have the east, you have people in the eastern Ukraine that are fleeing violence, and they're fleeing to the west of Ukraine. So they're in the same country. They've been internally displaced. About my family, because my uh, parents' house was destroyed, my brother's house was destroyed. I don't know with what was my house. I pray uh, about my home, my, my city, European. And so, you know, World Refugee Day is a, is a good day just to acknowledge that there's people fleeing for all kinds of reasons, their, their current context, uh, whether they're refugees, internally displaced people, or migrants. Um, but the focus of the day is really those people that, that can't go back to where they came from. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, it's very clear in the Bible that we are to take care of. And so, I think Samaritan's Purse, that is, I mean, we, we go to the ditches of life no matter what. We don't discriminate. But we do have a a heart and a compassion for refugees, and we do a lot of work with refugees. But you've gotten to see that. You just got back from Ukraine. You live in Colombia, so you you see it. So maybe can you even share from your work with Samaritan's Purse, how have you seen this? Obviously, each situation is different, but there is a similarity, and how have you even seen the gospel uh, meet a greater need? Because obviously, we can help them physically. That's great. Mm-hmm. But it's the spiritual healing that offers true hope. So how have you even seen Samaritan's Purse meet refugees in their time of crisis and it be even deeper? You're exactly right. I mean, the Bible is full of examples of, you know, remembering that, Mm -hmm. you know, as believers, we are not home. Uh, Our home is with our Father in heaven. Um, And, you know, when I look around at Samaritan's Purse and I look at refugee crisis around the world and you look at all the different contexts, Samaritan's Purse is working in every single context. Um, in Africa, you have places like South Sudan, uh, working in, in the Venezuelan crisis in Colombia, uh, the, largest, m- the largest mass movement of people uh, in Latin American history uh, is happening right now in, in Venezuela and in, in the rest of the region, uh, the Middle East and Syria, Myanmar. I mean, Samaritan's Purse is, is, is in all those contexts, providing real urgent, you know, uh, physical uh, support, physical aid in those situations. Um, but what we're seeing is that, you know, the, at the core, there's a spiritual need. At the core of every need, there's a spiritual need. There's a longing um, for wholeness that can only be found in Christ, and that's what we're providing. Um, and so, Samaritan's Purse is is in every context uh, working. Um, I think mm-hmm. our ultimate goal is to empower the local church mm-hmm. uh, to provide the technical humanitarian or aid or relief that's needed, but with the ultimate goal of empowering the local church to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I think a church just uh, see uh, needs what people really need in this situation and we do what we need to do actually because we are Christians because if we will not do anything it shows that we are not Christians actually. And I'm just curious personally because you you studied this academically, correct? Yeah. Uh, But 
but then you've lived it out. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe can you even explain, because I know for me, I mean, parenting, for example, I can read all the parenting books in the world, but it's the carrying it out in Mm -hmm. person that's the challenging part. Mm -hmm. When you read about it, it's different. Mm -hmm. So maybe can you even talk about what God's done in your life personally, uh, having the knowledge, but then living it out? Yeah. No, it's it's a really good question. I think um, in, in academia, you are learning big theories about why people leave and why they go to certain places they do. And when you are in the context, and when you enter into a relationship with beneficiaries, when you sit on the floor in the dirt with them, and you just begin to ask them, why are you leaving? What do you miss? What was your last night like before you left your home? Mm-hmm. Then you begin to experience the human side mm-hmm. of, of, of the crisis. And that's where you really begin to pull out the spiritual needs that every single refugee has. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can begin to earn the right to be able to, to preach the gospel, mm-hmm. to demonstrate that wholeness can be found in Christ, that relationships can be restored through the power of Jesus Christ, that one can find hope through the power of the Holy Spirit, and even in the midst of tremendous odds. And so that's that's something you can't learn in academia, and that's something that I've really been privileged to have the right to do, to be able to mm-hmm. sit and talk with refugees, talk mm-hmm. with people that are fleeing. I love what Eric said about the individual Every individual is an image bearer, fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And when you see someone as an image bearer, it changes things. Uh, You no longer see them as a stranger or a person. You see them as a created being made by God to reflect Him and display His love through creation. Um, And again, it changes how you treat them. They're no longer a refugee. They are a masterpiece, as it says in Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I also talked with Ken Isaacs, the Vice President of Programs and Government Relations, to hear more about what this has looked like historically at Samaritan's Purse. So my first interaction with refugees was in Ethiopia in 1991 when the government, the communist government, fell. And a lot of soldiers and their family members came into the city to take refuge. They weren't technically refugees because they hadn't left the country, but they still were Hmm. people that didn't have anywhere to go. And um, we found in this football stadium in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, there were about 60,000 people there, and it was very squalid. And there were a lot of pregnant women there. So we had some greenhouses, and we cleaned the greenhouses off, and we brought the pregnant women over. And they became birthing centers. And uh, so that was my first interaction. But over the years, we have exercised the parable of the Good Samaritan and helped people in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. And, you know, refugees are all through the Bible when the Mm -hmm. Israelites uh, were in Egypt. Mm -hmm. They've always been around, and I suspect they always will be. People flee they migrate and they move around. And so, you know, at Samaritan's Purse, we try to do anything and everything that we can to help them, mm-hmm. to share Christ with them, to show them the love of Christ, and to, you know, pursue the parable of the Good Samaritan, help them out of the dishes of life. So maybe can you talk about what Samaritan's Purse has learned from responding to refugees over the years and how the Lord has equipped you all to be able to respond? Uh, when I first engaged with uh, refugees on, in Tanzania that had come out of Rwanda, there were about a quarter of a million people there. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to, to lose mm-hmm. the uh, importance of the individual in, in the sea of the mass, you know, of all the suffering. 
And but where I've always found uh, the greatest connection is trying to understand what an individual is going through or who that person is, or they just come from all different walks of life and their life has been turned upside down, they've fled, they don't know where the family members are, they don't know what tomorrow brings, they don't know where they're going. And um, it's, it's a life that is uh, filled with uh, suffering from many different angles. Yeah, like, it is like just two, three days, I, I stopped somehow crying. Because I like it was kind of man's coming here, staying here. Uh, all what we planned for our life, like it was gone, you know, just in a second, in a moment, and we don't know what we will be doing. Now, all what we are like planning to do and dream of, like to go out from here, and then we will see like what will be the plan. We don't know yet. We don't know what we we are going to do actually. You've seen this firsthand, as you mentioned. You've talked with people, and that is, you know, God, we go to the ditches of life because these people are image bearers. You know, God created them. They're unique. They're mm -hmm. seen by God, and so we want them to know His love. We go after the one. Um, and as you mentioned, everybody comes from different stories, different backgrounds. Some are with their family intact. Some are spread out. They don't know where they are. So yeah. no matter what, there's crises. Uh, but yeah, what has God taught you? How has he even changed you? How has he changed our staff by interacting and working with refugees? Well, we all learn a lot from refugees, and each situation mm -hmm. is different. Um, refugees that came for Rwanda were driven by one set of circumstances. The ones coming out of Afghanistan are driven by another set of circumstances. And if you look at Ukraine today, it's the largest refugee movement since World War II. Mm -hmm. And... Um, but in all of them, their lives are at risk. They're fleeing to try to preserve their life. I'm, I'm just thinking back here, talking with you and all the refugees that I've seen over the years. It's millions, I mm -hmm. think. And um, uh, no two are exactly alike. Mm -hmm. And they sort of fall into a situation of being systematized. Like, go here for your food. Go here for your clothes. Mm -hmm. Go here for your plane ticket. Go here for your health care. And uh, it becomes sort of a, a production of, um, of how to help people meet their, their physical needs. Mm -hmm. But what they really have is like they have a fear. They, mm -hmm. they have a lack of hope. And uh, I've never met a refugee that didn't appreciate being prayed with. I've never mm -hmm. met a refugee uh, that didn't um, gladly say, yes, please pray for me. Yeah. Can we can we pray for you before you leave? Lord, we thank you for her courage and her strength. And Lord, as she moves forward in this journey, because uh, the world, for many of us, will never see it firsthand. We'll hear about it. We read statistics, and it's heartbreaking. But when you physically see it, and you now have faces that you'll always remember. I guess, how has the Lord sustained you personally and Samaritan's first staff to continue to go into these hard places and have their hearts broken by seeing what evil does? Um, I believe that in the parable of the Good Samaritan, the first, the priest walked around the man mm -hmm. and the second religious person walked around the man. I never want to be the person that walks around that person. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that we're, we're called to be there we're called to go to the people in the ditches of life. 
And uh, we're not called to go where we have permissions. Mm-hmm. We're called to go where there's needs. Mm-hmm. And um, so I try to let that be the thing that guides us. As Ken said, we go where the need is. And currently, we're working with displaced people in 10 different countries, including the Democratic Republic of Congo, Iraq, Yemen, Myanmar, and right here in the United States as we help Afghan and Ukrainian families resettle. There are so many testimonies and stories about how God is working in these locations. I wish I could share all of them with you, but for this episode, we want to introduce you to Daniel Zaiden. Daniel is overseeing our work with 57 different church partners across many different countries that are welcoming Ukrainian refugees. Daniel was in Poland when we when we had our conversation, and he's able to tell us more about the work on the ground. So we're working right now with 57 church partners in Poland, Slovakia, Eastern Europe, but also in other countries in Europe, just to be able to support the church as, as a response to their calling to uh uh, to feed and shelter uh, Ukrainian refugees. Wow, that is a, a broad work. Um, and I love the way that Samaritan's Purse always works with the local church. Um, you know, people that will be there long-term um, to help support. So so what are you, you are on the ground, you are with uh, some of our team members. What are you seeing in Poland? Okay, so yeah, we're in Poland. That's the country where we're supporting, I think about 30 church partners the two things that have struck me through this crisis, again, it's in Europe, so very close to home. Uh, one thing is first the resiliency and the dignity of the Ukrainian people. Even as they cross borders, most, most of the refugees we're seeing are mothers with children because they have to leave the husbands behind to fight. But those women and even their kids are just strong and resilient. And the second thing that really struck me, again, is the tremendous response of the local churches, not just in Poland. Poland, but all through uh, Europe, the church has really uh, heard the calling and they're opening uh, their hearts, opening their wallets, opening their homes uh, to Ukrainian refugees. I was reflecting, would my family uh, be able to open their home for six months or, or a year to, to strangers, basically, from a different culture, slightly different uh, language even? So I'm really just blessed by hearing the testimonies of pastors even who have opening their homes. Uh, and church members, and just finding ways of uh, making life for Ukrainians uh, comfortable in their churches, in their homes. Uh, and we hope that this work will grow as, as, you know, the work continues in Ukraine, and we hope that we can continue to support uh, those local churches and church partners across Europe. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is incredible, and that is, it is convicting to hear just the way that they are opening their hearts and their homes, and and yeah, using this horrible opportunity uh, to share the gospel and to be hospitable. So how can we be praying for these refugees um, and these church partners? Well, I think uh, the main prayer is for peace in Ukraine, you know, uh, that the evil will stop, the war will stop. Many of the families do want to come back. That's why they're staying in Poland. They have opportunities to go now even to Canada and the U.S., the different visa schemes, but they want to to stay close to home and they're hoping to go back to Ukraine. So we, the first prayer is for the war and the violence to stop. And then also uh, if our partners could pray for the churches, you know, the pastors, the thousands of volunteers who are working in train stations, in church premises, kitchens, driving uh, food back and forth, transporting refugees from the, from the border to the churches. I sense that there is some fatigue 
Um, you know, they've been doing it sort of working hard for two months now. And there is fatigue. There's a lot of goodwill, but there's also fatigue. So, so for the churches that are responding, the God will continue to give them the motivation, the strength to, uh, to respond. Daniel also shared a story with me about a young man that he met in Poland, Halib. Halib is just 15 years old, and right before the war started, his dad died from an illness. And his father's last wish was for his son to be able to attend one of the best schools in the region. And this young man studied, he studied so hard, and he wanted to make his dad proud. And Halib was accepted into the best school. Uh, But his dreams were crushed when the war started and it forced his family to flee. And you have this family who are already going through grief and loss of their father, and now they're refugees and dreams are shattered once again. Halib is not a believer, but what struck Daniel was what he said about Christians and the help that they're giving him. They said, but Christians were so kind to us wherever we, we went, in the border, here in the camp. They always uh, were nice to us and welcomed us. They gave us a warm bed and food. And I think this is our calling as Christians. Um, uh, in Matthew 25, there's a f- famous uh, uh, passage uh, where the king is inviting the righteous to uh, take their inheritance and enter the kingdom of God. And he says, that's a famous passage, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty uh, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Um, and this is exactly what the churches are doing right now in Eastern Europe. Um, of course, the, uh, the righteous ask uh, the Lord, Lord, when do we see you hungry? When do we feed you? And when do we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see your stranger and invite you in? And then the king replies, uh, whatever you did to, the, to one of the least of these, you did to me. I think this is exactly what the local churches uh, across Europe are doing now. And we're supporting, some other churches supporting them, standing behind them, uh, funding some of those tremendous projects that we're seeing. And we hope that this will continue, uh, just lifting their arms mm-hmm. as they respond to, to their calling. I love how Daniel shared that Samaritan's Purse is working with local churches all over Europe. Uh, Samaritan's Purse is helping to bolster and lift their arms as they respond during difficult times in Jesus' name. I love Galatians 6, and it talks about this in verse 2, saying, Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And it goes on in verse 9 and 10 to say, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially those who belong to the household of faith. And so I love the way that we are uh, partnering with local churches all over the world to help love them in these critical crises of times. And another way that Samaritan's Purse is helping refugees is by transporting Ukrainian families to Canada. Every five days, our DC-8 cargo plane is airlifting life-saving supplies to Poland. And typically, we, we take the airlift relief supplies and the cargo plane returns home empty. But this time, God has opened the door for us to be able to utilize the 32 passenger seats to transport Ukrainians to Canada. And already, through these missions, we've flown more than 130 people safely to Canada. Yeva was one of our passengers. She's just 10 years old, and her family had fled their home in Ukraine in the middle of the night. They were in imminent danger and when they escaped. 
And Yeva, as she boarded the plane, she was worried about her pets that she had to leave behind. She was worried about starting school in a new country and whether she'd make friends. And as a mother, it it broke my heart to hear a 10-year-old have to worry about such things, worrying about if she'd fit in or, or if the if the people would be nice to her. And she's already been through so much, and she faces so much more in this new country and, and settling in. Conflict and refugee crises, they disproportionately affect women and children, just like Yeva. And this year, as another World Refugee Day is marked on the calendar, I hope you're challenged to pray for families and whose lives have been turned upside down. And as we've talked about it in this episode, it's about the individual and how we can love them like Christ first loved us. So if you have a friend or a family member that that you would like to share this episode with, I encourage you to do that because the part of the country they live in might have uh, families that are being welcomed. And so we just want to spread the news, spread the word, and allow people to pray as people are resettling here in the United States, but also all over the world. And the best way for people to hear about this and hear about the podcast is through you. So I encourage you to share it on social media or send it to a friend. Um, And then another great way that people can hear this podcast is if you leave a review. It really helps so much. Thank you so much for listening today. And let's be intentional to pray for refugees all around the world. Have a great week.